walk. Get out and walk. Walk the land. I'm extremely lucky today to be talking to Eamon Ryan, who is presently very busy negotiating the formation of a government for Ireland and has taken some time out of his Sunday to be on the podcast. The Green Party has a strong voice in the talks, having secured 12 seats in the general election. Eamon has served as Minister for Communications, Energy and Natural Resources from 2007 to 2011, and since then has been the leader of the Green Party in Ireland. With the European Green Deal announced this week, with a €20 billion a year budget, it is even more important than ever that we have strong voices in government to ensure these measures are implemented. They include reducing chemical pesticides by 50%, planting 3 billion native trees, and protecting 30% of our land and marine areas by 2030. Eamon talks about who inspired his calling and why he became an advocate for the natural world. Please forgive the wobbly internet connection and welcome Eamon Ryan. We're very lucky today to be speaking to Eamon Ryan, the leader of the Green Party in Ireland, who is very busy at the moment as trying to form a government. So thank you so much for talking to us and especially on a Sunday. Uh, you're very welcome. And we're speaking to you in Dundrum, I believe. Yep. Um, South Dublin. South Dublin. Beautiful place. I'm looking out the window and it's, it's been an amazing April. It's been, and um, May uh, so far, very dry, but very beautiful in its own way. Full of nature. Yes. And you do have a little garden. Yeah, very lucky. I, I have a good garden and I have an allotment too. And also, I live on the Dodder River, and actually, it's a wildlife corridor. We have salmon, we have badgers, we have otters, we have foxes, we have bats, we have kingfishers, herons, dippers, you name it. It's a wildlife area, corridor, just where I am. Oh, that's fantastic. It's a beautiful place. Lovely. How did you become a nature lover, Eamon? Um, Do you remember a particular instance, or where did it all start? I don't know. I mean, this sounds a bit mad now, but I think we all have it in a very active consciousness. I I remember just as a very young kid, not far from here, I grew up in Dundrum, um, just as a young kid, seven or eight, and kind of having just been out on my own on the street and just having a sense of being alive, as simple as that, and being connected. I think I was looking at a, a sense of, my God, it's incredible I'm alive in this world, just that sense. Um, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't kind of, it wasn't, um, I mean, I was a rugby playing South County Dublin jock and I wasn't that kind of, you know, mad into nature, but but just that sense of being alive. I was very lucky at the age of 16, I wasn't a great student, but at the age of 16, we did, instead of doing the intercerts at the time, we did a series of O-levels and one of them was an O-level in ecology. And it was similar, it was an amazing, amazing lesson, amazing active learning out in nature team learning so we the first day i always tell the story we kind of got in the bus and went out to the glen of the downs and we thought it was a joke like we all ran out of the bus ran behind a tree were smoking and thought this was greatest fun ever but as the year went on it kind of it got more and more interesting and we got more and more engaged and involved in it and it was this is 1979 i think if i remember rightly we were reading gaia theory as it was first published we were certainly reading silent spring and the mr growth and all the latest ecological thinking at the time. 
And it just got to me. I, I really kind of had a sense of that sense of interconnectedness in ecology and um, urgency around the need to change. And I suppose the frightening thing is then we were saying that if we don't change, that in the next 50 years, we could lose 50% of all wildlife. And, and the World Wildlife Fund published a report two years ago saying that's what's happened. So it was kind of that really made me very green in my thinking and having an understanding of ecology at the center of what we need to do. So that's, I suppose, where it came from in me. I think it's a nation. I think it's a nation, everyone. I think, you know, the very act of being alive would give you, if you think about it, give you that sense of connection. Yeah. And I think sometimes books or studies like that can open people's eyes, especially at times, you know, when you're 15 or 16, I was certainly influenced by certain books at the time. So yeah, that's that's really um, was the sort of foundation for you. And has there been a favorite plant or animal in your life that you've been particularly fond of or interested in? I don't think it's it's a plant or, or an animal. It's more a place, I suppose. Um, and I was very locally. I mean, I, I, I ran a tourism business for 15 years. Um, my sister runs it now called Irish Cycling Safaris and spent a lot of time on the West Coast, Southwest Coast. And I do if that's um, maybe because I grew up in it, like my family, used, my father used to bring us some holidays. My father's a very good painter, was a very good painter, and he painted a lot of that landscape in kind of an abstract way. And, and I still do that too, try to copy him. And... Now, like our summer family holidays would be in Inishbofin, out on the edge of Inishbofin, on the edge of the West Coast, out in the Atlantic. And I love it. I love the, um, and it's not just one thing. It's, I mean, I do a lot of fishing and swimming and snorkeling. And it's that connection to the sea, I guess, in places like that is where I really kind of, I love that. That, that really inspires me, um, particularly snorkeling. And just you know, just the colours, um, being in nature in that way, where you really focus on it because the sound is all your constant, your mask, everything focuses you on your immediate environment, and and that place, yeah, that 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 place inspires me. And it's not any one part of it; it's it's the whole part of it. Yeah, I think we're very lucky because we live on the edge. Um, you know, the World Atlantic Way is a genius concept, but actually it is wild because of the Atlantic. And, you know, you really feel like you're on the edge of nature there. Um, last, year I went to, last year I went out in a boat, out from Bath and West, west beyond Black Rock, where that terrible helicopter accident happened, but really, really out into the Atlantic. And I had that sense. It was just, it was fantastic. It was, and I go out kayaking a lot. I kayak out, out from Bath and into the Atlantic. And when you're in a tiny little kayak, I just a very simple sit on top kayak, and the swell goes up and down, and you're you're kind of this tiny dot on on a huge landscape. It is it's an amazing experience. Amazing, yeah. I, I only kayaked a couple of times in my life, and for my fiftieth birthday, my husband borrowed a kayak because I wanted to go around Kimbara Bay. I had heard there were otters by the castle. And everyone was saying, oh, rubbish, maybe there are, maybe there aren't. But anyway, you'll never see them. So we got in the kayak. He he wanted to hug the land. He didn't want to go out very far. He was saying, hug the land, hug the land. But anyway, we paddled along. There's two castles in Kimura. There's an ancient one and there's one you can visit now. 
We went around the ancient castle, turned the corner, and there were the otters. They popped up straight in front of me um, on my 50th birthday. So it was absolutely magical. I can't wait to get back in a kayak. And I think you've really explained the next question as of how you feel spiritually connected to nature. So I'm sure you've thought long and hard about this. Are there any individual actions that people can take that you might suggest to help um, biodiversity and the climate and biodiversity crisis? I think Farmer uh, in Clare, who is involved in the um, protecting the Mullet Moor, John. Um, Patrick, was it? Oh, God, I'm terrible. In, Patrick McCormick. Uh, Patrick McCormick. Patrick McCormick. Yeah. McCormick. Did he say something? Um, he was very good um, once I met him, and he said something simple walk, get out and walk, walk the land, get out connect uh, and that sounds very simple but it is the first recommendation get out and walk and yeah. walk in uh, walk in, in in another way too there was a, i did a lot of work in the burn college i very fortunate to visit the burn college of art a number of occasions and working with mary hawks green there and others and there's a poet david wyatt who was also there and he made a similar thing about the path. He said, he quotes a Spanish poem about the Camino. He says, Pilgrim, you make the path by taking the first step. You, you walk, get out, take your step. You go out and walk out in nature. And then little steps. I mean, I find little steps, the reason I have a lot of them is kind of planting stuff. I find very kind of just good for, the, good for physically and good for mental health and good for um, just that sense of connection. And um, and I think it's in those sort of measures of simple, local, practical things without it being a big virtue signaling thing or without it being a kind of a big, uh, uh, big, big to do. Small things like that, it, uh, you start and then and, and, and see what leads you. Mm. I think that's genius. Walk. I mean, so simple. You know, that's one mm. thing people can do. And well, a couple couple of things on that. As soon as we're allowed to, I'm going to go and find Patrick and interview him because really he is such an inspiring person. Um, we have a walk here yeah, at our yeah. nature sanctuary. So it's a mile through all the habitats. Um, we're also a very popular family day out. So people come and they think, oh, we're just going to go on the playground or whatever. But they all put on their coats and go around the walk um, because it's there's the walk, off you go. And they come back, they might have been grumpy on the way, they come back, everybody's happy. So, you know, they just need, people need just to be directed, really, or told, like you've done, walk, simple. I used to run, before I got in politics, I ran a cycling holiday company, as I was saying, and that brought people from all over the world to Ireland. And it was funny, at times I did it, um, where you'd meet a group of people, you know, in, in, whether it's Galway or Clare, Ennis or... or Killarney, whatever, the start of the week's holiday. And they'd be coming out of very stressed situations, coming from New York or London or Berlin or, or Dublin or wherever. And they'd be just all all stressed out and kind of really kind of worrying about it. It was funny because first, as soon as you got people out in nature taking exercise, you kind of meet them at midday the next day or whatever, and they'd be chilled out. They'd be kind of... There's something healthy in getting out in nature and exercising in its own right. It's, it's, it's really good for you. 
The next question is, do you have any inspiring nature books that you could recommend to people or anything that's influenced you that you'd like to mention? I was very fortunate. Um, I met only once, but I met for several hours, three or four hours meeting with John Moriarty, who is um, a philosopher. He, uh, Kerryman from Neil Stoll, he died about, got about nine, ten years ago now from cancer. Um, but he was an amazing man and he, he lived in, in Tombiola, just near Ranston and Connemara and then down in Kerry, he, he, towards the end of his life. Um, he had lived abroad in Canada and Britain teaching and came home and he was a kind of a mystic philosopher. Um, and his books I found fascinating because they're the real green philosophy. They're, they're, they go to the core of understanding maybe where we are in the world and what we need to do, in my mind. I, I think he was a hugely important philosopher of our times. Um, happens to be Irish. And um, his book, Nastas. Now, these are very difficult books to read. <laughs> kind of, he, he kind of writes like a Kerryman. If you, get, you almost have to listen to it, you know, rather than read it. And um, he... He brings in all sorts of Irish mythology and North American mythology and other references that are really hard to understand sometimes. It's quite hard to read, but I read it and I just said to myself, this is the philosophy that kind of underpins what I believe or what I, a lot of what I think. And I, he, was, he, was, he had had cancer and I, I had a great fortune. A friend of mine arranged for me to meet him in, in a pub uh, or above a pub. And it was the most fascinating three or four hours because he was inspiring and we had a great conversation. Um, so I'd, I say to anyone, this is not easy stuff to read, but, but if you're really interested in kind of the, um, um, a lot of our own Irish mythology, actually, actually going, what he believes is we need to harrow the myths. We need to go back to a new relationship with the earth. He actually go right back to the European myths um, foundation. And he tries to do that. It's not a small task he's trying. It's very hard to read, but it's very rewarding in my mind because it's genuine and true. And he was one of the most important, I think, um, thinkers of our time. So he inspired me, both in person and in print. I'm very intrigued. I can't wait to get a look at those books. So we'll put the links in the show notes. Yeah, I think a book can really inspire people if they get it at the right moment. And you were talking about the Gaia concept when you were doing your ecology and I picked up a book The One Straw Revolution I don't know if you've seen it by Masanoba Fukuoka The One Straw Revolution and I read that book and within a couple of months I was volunteering for Friends of the Earth and so I think we, we have a lovely list of books building on the podcast list if you send me that link as well, I'll definitely read that next. Yeah, no, he's fantastic. One straw. If you only just plant one straw, that's the start of the revolution. That was yeah. the key kind of concept. So the last question is, if you had a magic wand, what one thing would you do for the planet today? One thing I'd do today, and this isn't magic wands in a way, because it's, it's real in the sense I'm involved in these programs for government talks, as you said at the start. And one of the things that we're looking for in that is a national land use plan. And that sounds very prosaic or it's not exactly magic, but um, I think it would, it would first, I'd love to address what we can do here at home in Ireland, where you have some control compared to elsewhere. A land use plan would be central because it would start with recognizing that human beings are part of nature. We're not separate, we're connected to it. And so therefore you'd be planning 
a rural Ireland development for for people that's vibrant, sustainable, secure, great place so you can raise families, be healthy. Then also, but then you have to look at the layers in the plan. You're looking at restoring biodiversity in re- reversing those losses of the last 50 years and doing that in very practical ways in terms you switch the forestry away from plantation forestry towards close to nature, continuous cover forestry that's rich in life, wildlife. Um, you're, you, we're re-wetting, reversing um, what we've done the last 50 years is drain every bog. And now you're saying, no, the opposite. We're going to re-wet every bog. And in doing that, not just store carbon, but also uh, restore wildlife at the, at the lowest level. Um, we're looking then in that plan in terms of how you restore water quality as, as a kind of a, as a measure of, of progress and how we reduce amount of nitrogen pollution and amount of ammonia pollution. And in doing all that, we don't have to culvert every river to do flood management. We can actually bend with the river, as it were, or, or can live with nature in a, in a way that is much more efficient and much more successful. And so that's not magic wand stuff, but it is what's needed. I think it's a land use plan that changes our relationship with nature across the island, where we're using so much less fertilizer, so much less pesticides, so much, but we're still getting a price for food that pays young people to go on to, to work on our land. Um, and, and that we have a forest which is really rich and diverse and a thrill to explore and, um, and rural communities that thrive on the back of it. It's, it's that, go back to what I said at the very start about connectedness and interconnectedness and that's ecology teaches you. It's that ecological approach to managing our land here on this island. Like, let's take responsibility for what we have here. And sorry, last, and this is the magic wand, which isn't impossible. Mm-hmm. Our sea area is 10 times our land area. I would love to have a marine protected area for at least 50% of the land of our sea area. My, one of the great heroes I would have in interesting ecology is the great American ecologist E.O. Wilson. He's recommending 50% of various natural areas be restored for nature protection. So let's do that in the North Atlantic. It would be a huge contribution to restoration of marine life. And, and we could survey and study what's happening in the North Atlantic at the same time because it's changing with climate change. That would be a brilliant project. That's not magic. That's doable. Yeah, that's, sure. that, that, that would be magic. And we've had, so we've had six, I think you're the seventh episode now of Nature Magic. And three people want the same thing. So Mary Reynolds, I'm sure you're um, you're familiar with Mary, and Costas Christ, who is the eco travel um, guru, and now Eamon Ryan. Fifty percent back to nature. So that yeah, yeah that is really wonderful. It makes sense. It's good it's, science. Yeah, I'm sure it must be very difficult in the quagmire of politics trying to, you know, make the shifts that we need. But it's great that they're being thought about at the moment. And also the connectedness. I think we have learned from COVID how to connect in our communities more and in our families more and even online more. You know, so there has been a lot of connection we've been building. So hopefully we can use that um, positively. And I think Ireland was the second country in the world to uh, proclaim a climate and biodiversity crisis in May this year, which is really wonderful. It's right what you say that, uh, I mean, this has been a tough crisis for a lot of people, still is, will be. Um, I think it is connecting, it has done one thing, a variety of things, connecting 
close to home, kind of back to what I said at the start, like I'm inside Dublin, which, you know, but actually you start finding nature in, in all, in every place. And I'd last, I'll leave the last one thought. There was a Milan Condra, um, the Czech writer, all very high pollutant writers, but anyway, um, he wrote a book years ago, I can't remember the name of the book, there was an idea in the book that was really simple but true, it seemed to me. He said, we spend the whole time in our busy world rushing from A to B, our kind of in our transport system is all about getting from A to B, and you forget about all the places in between. Um, and he was kind of, again, I think he was kind of coming at this from a philosophical, philosophical viewpoint, saying that it's the understanding of the importance of every place, of every, and, and, and changing our attitude to every place. And maybe in this lockdown, really difficult time, when we haven't been rushing from A to B, we can't go from A to B, maybe it's brought us back home a wee bit just to appreciate what's around us very locally. And and if we could keep some of that out of the crisis and start there in terms of what do we do here around us? What do we do locally? What do we do in protecting our home? Sometimes you can think big, you know, the big planetary stuff, and it's got something unmanageable. But if you're starting to think about just really local stuff, what can we do here in our own local? And even if that's a, a small gorilla garden on the side of a motorway, that's why not start there? That's as important as anywhere. Everywhere is important. Every place matters. Every person matters. And it's it's that maybe understanding which will change your ways. Yeah, I totally agree. That's a lovely ending. And just from our own point of view in Kimbara, we have a gorilla botanist who I haven't managed to find out who it is yet, who is marking up the plants along the pavement with chalk. So, you know, you might think it's a weed. It's ragwort or and the things. So um, that is there's really... A few, there's a f- there's a few fuss, suspects down in that neck of the woods. So you'd, it'd be a hard job for the police to find the culprit. There would. There's a few. There's a there'd few people I can think of. Yeah, it'd be a long line. <laughs> it would. It would. So uh, we'd love to have you back down in the borough sometime um, soon, whenever the restrictions lift. And I hope everything goes well for you. And good luck with all the government forming. So thank you so much again, Eamon, for talking to us. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks to you, mate. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Nature Magic podcast. Please feel free to get in touch for any reason whatsoever. We would love to hear suggestions as to who you would like to hear speaking on the podcast or any other questions. I will put my email in the show notes. Please visit the Borough Nature Sanctuary website at www.bns.ie and follow us on Facebook and Instagram to find out all about us. We welcome contributions towards our conservation projects and animal adoptions. Links to these can be found on the website shop page. And we also sell some beautiful locally sourced Irish gifts such as wild Atlantic seaweed baths, avoca rugs, and Irish fairy tales. We have gift cards for entrance when we are open again. All support is greatly appreciated. We will be back next Monday. Stay safe.